Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing, probably worth a Google. It is episode 283 of the podcast. Yes, yes, little Lebowski Urban Achievers. I'm proud we are of all of that. Uh, this is going to be a good episode. We're going to be talking about uh, haircuts. We're going to be talking about uh, coups. We're going to be talking about the Titanic. We're going to be talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and uh, this week's movie, which is something so yeah let's get to it yes so this deadly pandemic is really fucking with time oh yes in in more ways than one and i'm not talking about the general passage of time during a massive lockdown and you've been indoors for so long that you can't tell if it's tuesday or thursday or may no, I'm yeah. talking about I'm talking about how this deadly pandemic has really changed things that time ha- has already gotten rid of and now this pandemic is somehow inexplicably bringing them back like now suddenly everyone's making bread? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's weird, right? Isn't that weird? Everyone's making bread? And, uh, like, the video game Among Us has been around for a really long time, and it did okay. It did so-so. So they said, okay, well, we're hard at work at Among Us 2. Among Us 2 is going to be this huge, massive game. But then right before they were about to release Among Us 2, the pandemic happened, and everyone's trapped at home, and everyone's like, what do we do? So everyone found this game, which had been around for over a year already. Yeah. They were already working on the sequel, and then suddenly everyone actually cared about the first game. So then the makers of of Among Us are like, okay, well, fuck the sequel. We'll just work on the first one now that you like it now. And and I've heard it's not really that great of a game either. Uh, it got uh, all of uh, uh, the older kids through. It got uh, a lot of the older children through the uh, the coronavirus. It's really good, fuck yeah. you. Uh, Bella likes it. Natasha plays it with her uh, writing friends and her friends in Canada. All and, of us uh, fucking like it. Yeah, all of them play it. What did you want to say, Maxwell? Uh, it's get it. It's getting a new map in early 2021. Uh, apparently, um, Inner Sloth or Puffballs United, they are the same creator that made Henry Stickman. Okay. And there is sure. ex- and there is an airship in that. And so, so the airship so- in the game Henry Stickman is now going to be a level in the game Among Us. It's going to be a new map. New, new tasks, new things. Cool. And apparently there's going to be a friends list, a account. Okay. A whole bunch of stuff that, that 
that you are obviously very excited about. Yes. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, so yeah, we're all making our own bread. I guess we're all a little bit Amish now. And yeah. while big plex movie theaters are closing down left and right, thanks Christopher Nolan for killing movie. Christopher Nolan movie theaters. Uh, while most movie theaters are closing. Yeah, Christopher Nolan. Remember the pandemic closed everything down and Christopher Nolan is like, oh, so movie theaters are closed down. Well, I know what will open them back up. My movie Tenant will save Hollywood. Oh, God, yeah. It will be the first of many big-time motion pictures, which will no doubt be released in 2020 after all the studios see how good my movie Tenant did. Yes, we are saving Hollywood with my film Tenet. So yeah, thanks Christopher Nolan for totally destroying uh, movie theaters. So movie theaters are closing down, but they're actually building more drive-ins. Yes, yes. That's, drive-ins that's seem to be coming back. Yeah. Uh, it, a, before now, I would always complain about the fact that there's a drive-in theater in Chickasha, Oklahoma, Chickasha, Oklahoma, but in order to get there, it's like a one hour and 55 minute drive if we yeah. want to use tolls and it's a bit of a bitch when they do double features because we'll be leaving at like 11 45 we won't be getting home until like two and and my wife and i aren't in our 20s anymore yeah and it's difficult to do that shit now and but there's a drive-in movie theater only about 35 minutes away in oklahoma city but that one is one of those seasonal drive-ins well because drive-ins are doing such good business for the first time ever Winchester Drive-In is now open all year. Nice. They're open right now, and they're showing Christmas movies. We almost went last week. They were showing the night before. They were showing Frozen, and goddamn Jim Carrey's The Grinch, which Amber is obsessed with. So we almost yeah. went to the drive last weekend. And they're opening a new, a brand-new state-of-the-art drive-in theater in Oklahoma City in 2021. And... I'm I'm blown away. How crazy is it that drive-ins are back? Yeah, yeah. A a, a small bright star. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That is um that is amazing to me. And that's not the only thing. That's the only crazy thing that is back in fashion right now. Okay, Bonnie. Yes. Question. Can you guess what as-seen-on-TV product is suddenly sold out everywhere? What as-seen-on-TV product is suddenly going for hundreds of dollars online? Okay. Ooh. This is a tough one. This is a really tough one. The Floby. Absolutely. Yes. Congratulations, Bunny. Okay. You win the Floopy doll, Bunny. Good goddamn job. The freaking Floby, because hair salons are closed and people can't get their hair cut. And because of this, Flobies, which I had to explain it to like three of my kids, which was a haircut device that attached to the hose. Uh, 
yes. of your vacuum cleaner. It allows you to cut your own hair with your vacuum. Uh, it was patented in 1987, and in the 80s and 90s, flobies were the thing of ridicule and late-night comedy monologues. But people have been dusting off their old flobies because of the pandemic, and it's gotten so popular that a few days ago on Jimmy Kimmel, actor George Clooney admitted to using a floby to cut his hair during the pandemic. <laughs> he used a floby live on the show to cut his own hair. It, it, the floby was like a like a relic from the past. Yes, and now. Right now, if you want one, you have to go to eBay and pay like one hundred to three hundred dollars. Yeah. For a freaking floby. Can you believe that, Bunny? And, and and when I was trying to figure out what it was, I was considering the price range. You know, like that turkey roaster wouldn't that already sold for hundreds of dollars yeah you know so like that wouldn't yeah. be it and i didn't think i, I didn't i i think i would have heard something if the pocket fisherman suddenly took off yeah but no absolutely flobies isn't that strange it's yes it fuck is funny that is that blows my mind like inside edition are doing like special looks at the Floby. <laughs> insane. Absolutely insane. That 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 yeah, that the Floby is now the big thing, you know? Well, that gives me hope. One day again, we will have mood rings. Oh yeah, I definitely I yeah, yeah, I I I would like that. I would like that to come back. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so Flobies, if you have one in your house, dust it off because apparently it's worth money now. And uh and cut on that. Bunny. Yes. Okay. I don't have anything written for this at all. Okay. Nothing written for this segment. This is just a crazy idea that I had. Uh I was a bit stoned. But I, I had a crazy idea, and I thought that we could just have a nice little discussion and debate about it. Okay, Bunny? Okay. Um, we're nearing episode 300 of the podcast, and that's a lot of, of, of episodes. That's a lot of podcasts. And uh, we, we get views, and we have people who, who like us, but also... Uh, no one's no one's banging down our doors you know yeah. we 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 have we have we are masterless there's not a lot of fans saying hey you gotta do this uh -huh. we're masters of our own domain you know what i'm saying yes we are so i was trying to think of something to do for the 300th episode and then i came up with an idea i came up with an idea for our 300th episode and it was just the idea I came up with for our 300th episode was so crazy and insane and stupid that I think it might work. Okay. What if when our 300th epi episode rolls along, we just skip 100 episodes? What if for our 300th episode, we just gather together 
and celebrate our big, monumentous 400th episode. And that from there on, we just say, okay, the next episode. Okay, episode 401. Okay. Because who's going to tell us no? It's not, we don't have bosses. No. We don't have anyone saying, uh, you can't do that. It's our own damn show. We can do we can do whatever the fuck we want. We'll skip hundred. And that episodes. has been a founding principle of this show. Yeah, it's been a founding principle of the show for three hundred and eighty-three episodes now. Yes. So we just so so when we get to episode three hundred, we just decide it's episode four hundred now. And then in the beginning, in like Act One, we'll talk about the crazy last one hundred episodes we've done. That would be a fun bit. Yes. You know? Oh, what about that episode where we wrestled the lions? Oh, God, yes. Oh, that was fun, huh? And oh, Did they the, have to the, grease the lions first, though? Oh, absolutely. Well, well, no, but since we were recording that episode in Honduras, that's just the custom. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and the celebrities. George Clooney was here and on the podcast, live on the stream. Yes. He 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 used a floby to cut his pubes. We were blown away. George by... Clooney is so seldom and and I didn't want to say it when he was on the show because it's like, you know, but I forget he exists because he's like rarely, rarely ever in a movie that I'm interested in seeing. He was back in the day. Um, I was playing this past week. I did two really complicated uh, videos for my YouTube channel. And one of them, I played a Christian game, uh, an old Christian NES game called King of Kings. Yes. I was playing as one of the wise men and the, and I played it for a half hour and the background music was just an 8-bit rendition of the song We Three Kings. Oh. And the whole time, I just imagined the George Clooney movie We Three Kings the entire time I was playing it. <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg there in the Middle East, and he sees some random person walking towards his Jeep, and he's just like, Hey, boss, are we shooting people today? Am I allowed to shoot this person? Are we shooting people today? I can? Thanks. You know, and I was just thinking nonstop about that George Clooney movie. How weird. That was before I wrote this, the, the bit I began with about Flobies. Yes. George Clooney is really the center of this episode, and I didn't even realize it. Yes. He is the center. That That so is that, important. Yeah. But... so. Yeah, but but see, I haven't seen that movie. Like, like that's me and George Clooney. Like, I've seen From Dusk Till Dawn because mm-hmm. he was, he was in my I'm wheelhouse. What? Yeah, I may be an asshole, but I'm not a fucking asshole. Yes, that's my favorite line from From Dusk Till Dawn. And I think I haven't seen another movie with him until uh, Men Who Stare at Goats. He was really good in Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Thirteen. The only uh, I two saw one of Ocean's those, Eleven movies. But I blocked it out. Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah. Like they're good. Well, well let's they only put it this two. way. They're, they're Ocean's like... Eleven and Ocean's 
and that's it. Period. There was nothing in between those two. Those those movies are kind of like the same as the James Bond movies to me. There's so many, or of those. the Bourne movies. Like, yeah. It's a good movie. It's a serviceable movie. And after I've watched it, I immediately forget everything about it. Yeah. And I have no interest in ever watching it again. They're not bad movies, but it's just nothing there. There's a part of me that feels like I caused the coronavirus because right before the lockdown happened, I was thinking, oh, man. Uh, I've got the AMC A-list and I watch three movies a week in April, I'm going to have to watch the James Bond movie. <laughs> no time to die. I'm a bit nervous because I think the last James Bond movie I saw was freaking Moonraker. Yeah, right. And like those are the only I think James I saw Bond one Pierce Brosnan, but like... But that's it. So I'm a bit worried because if I wa- if I wa- if I have to watch No Time to Die, that means before then I'll have to watch the other uh, new James Bond movies. But then once, but then I can't just watch those. I'll have to watch the ones before then. So basically, I'm just signing myself up to watch all 84 James Bond movies. Yes, and that's what I'll have to do. Before I see this new James Bond film, No Time to Die, and I'm thinking, damn it, I don't have the time for this. I don't have the time to watch all of these James Bond movies. Where am I going to find the time? Oh, look, we're all stuck inside. So there was a part of me that was just like, did my uh, hatred of the James Bond franchise cause this to happen? I I, I wouldn't blame you. I would blame James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. James Bond is is responsible for the coronavirus. 100%. We figured that out. We've gotten down to it. So anyway, this this is just my idea. We skip 100 episodes. I don't have anything written for this segment. Just we skip 100 episodes and then we never discuss it ever again. I think that's a weird wonderful idea. I, I I think it's an intriguing idea. Yes. One that we can we can uh ruminate over. Don't say no or yes just yet. We'll yeah. think about it. We've still got a lot of episodes to go. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Well yeah, let, yeah, we'll let, like let, let me ruminate we'll over on a that. bit. Because like like that could also coincide yeah. with the Pope on Film website opening up again. Yay! Yeah, that's right. So they could be a bunch yeah. of lost and that episodes. Would be... Yeah. I mean, if anybody gave enough of shit to look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a good idea. I think it's decent. Anyway, I, 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 uh, I, 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 I'm in, I'm intrigued. Let me dwell on it. Let's get back to it next week. Okay. It's an idea so goddamn crazy that it just might work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And cut on that. Bunny. Yes. 
Uh, it's time once again for our new limited edition seasonal segment, which I am calling Things You Forgot Happened in 2020. Yes. Because the pandemic has created a time warp and it's difficult to tell what day you're in, what what month you're in. Little, It's difficult to for us here in the... Uh, in December to remember what happened in April, let alone February. So this is just a segment where I try and remind people of some of the things that happened this year. Uh, Bunny, first off, first off, I want to start off by saying that I have a little message for the media, which is somewhat related to this week's, uh, this week's story. But just because Trump's attempted coup is dumb and poorly executed and doomed to fail doesn't mean that the media ignores the fact that Donald Trump is attempting a goddamn coup. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous that, like, uh, Donald Trump has outwardly tried to attempt a uh, a dictatorial takeover of the government for a year now, but the media is just like, oh, but he's so bad at it that we don't take it seriously. And we have 106 fucking representatives who have stood yeah. to overturn the election? Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it, and the media is just not taking it seriously. It, it, the media no. has a hard time taking Donald Trump seriously. It's the double standard that exists between the GOP and the Democrats that the Democrats are taken so seriously. Oh my goodness! Barack Obama wore a tan suit. This is the worst thing ever. Sure, Donald Trump is trying to take over the government, but hey, give the guy a break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the Oh my goodness, uh, Barack Obama went to a restaurant and he ordered a burger with Grey Poupon on it. This will be the top story for two weeks. Yes. Grey Poupon gate. Uh-huh. Mustard gate. Uh, oh yeah, sure, Donald Trump is uh, closing polling places in predominantly black neighborhoods and uh, purging roles of uh, minority voters and sabotaging the post office and stacking the courts and stacking the Supreme Court to make sure that people who will vote for him are put in places of power. And now he's trying to uh, sow doubt in our electoral process. But uh, it's not a big deal. And we're not going to take and and so this is where we are right now in 2020 with a president-elect and a president in denial refusing to concede the fact that his year-long attempt to rig the election has failed. Mm-hmm. And yet, this blows my mind to think about. That's where we are right now. That's where we are right now at the end of 2020. We have a president-elect and we have a president in denial. But at the beginning of this year, this year, at the yeah. beginning of this year, there were still seven fucking people running for the Democratic nominee for president. That blows my mind. Yes. That blows my mind. It seems like we have been saddled with 98-year-old Joe Biden for about uh, 18 decades now. Yeah. But at the beginning of this year, Michael Bloomberg 
and Amy Klobuchar were yes. like, we've definitely got a chance. We just have to beat the unstoppable juggin- juggernaut that is Pete Buttigieg. Yes. Did star ever stop rising? <laughs> Can you believe that at the beginning of this year? Yeah. We still didn't know. It was going to be, it's just ridiculous. And then remember in February, Pete Buttigieg won the Iowa, I, I believe it was called the Iowa Clusterfuck. Yeah. And it was like, oh, it's the Iowa Caucus. And, and, and every electoral year we learn about the Iowa Caucus. And it's like, oh, let's go over to this place where the caucus is happening in this county. So what do you do here? Oh, well, over here we've got uh, two buckets. Yeah. And uh, if you fit in this bucket, that means it's a vote for Joe Biden. Like, like ridiculous fucking, like, every county does something different. And then, like, oh, in here, everyone's packed in a small junior high gymnasium. And if you sit on this side of the gymnasium, yeah, that means, uh, and just... So yeah, so then the Iowa caucuses happened, and then that was a clusterfuck, and we didn't know for like a week. And yeah. Then, uh, 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 yeah, and then Bernie Sanders was like, "Hey, we won," and then Pete Buttigieg is like, "No, we won." And then Iowa is like, "Look, we have no idea what the fuck happened. You need to give us a large amount of time." And they were using some app, but they had never tested it, and it started fucking up. And yeah, yeah that was this year. It was like that was like two years ago. But at the beginning of this year, we didn't know who the candidate was going to be. That well, see, blows but my see, mind. What, what annoys blows. me about that is that, you know, the whole run-up to the election was the Russians are going to be interfering in the election, just like they did in 2016. You know, we know they interfered in 2016. They're going to be interfering now, you know. Yeah. So this is the time you choose to use an untested app? Yep. Absolutely. What the fuck kind of moron do you have to be? No freaking idea. No idea. Can you believe that, though? Which is also something that's kind of bothering me a little now. Okay, look. Joe Biden won. Joe Biden won very well, okay? But how is this the most secure election that we've ever had? I don't know if I could really believe that. I don't believe believe that I can believe the party that has been telling me about Russian interference in the elections for the past four fucking years now telling me it was the most secure election ever. Yeah, that makes sense. You a know lot what of... I mean? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the vote count or anything like that, but there were a lot of issues. Yeah. I, I'm not comfortable with what I'm not hearing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. The Russians decided hands off on this one. What happened? Yeah, so the Russians, 
the Russians hacked the election. Oh, but not this one because we won this one. Yeah. Exactly. That that doesn't make a lot of sense. In all fairness. You are right about that. And we're not going to investigate Trump. And we're not going to do anything about the 106 seditious representatives. We're not going, you know, we're not going to do anything about this. Yeah, no, not at all. So, so what are we going to do? We're just going to count this off as some weird anomaly and it won't ever happen again because of pixies, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I do not know. Yeah. Sorry for that, Tan. But that's a. Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. I didn't have a lot for that segment, so that was fine. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 this election, this entire year in terms of elections, has just like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck was that? What happened? Um, it, it's it's all confusing. Yeah. This whole year has been confusing. And I was, this whole I, year has been confusing. And I would bitch louder like I used to, except like. I'm just kind of feeling resigned to everything dying. Because nobody's doing a fucking thing to stop it. Yeah. Oh, he's getting us into the Paris Accords. Dudes, do you remember that the Paris Accords were really kind of shit? Like, do we remember this? I mean, mean, yes, we need to be in the Paris Accords. But he didn't just step on the moon. He just re-entered a kind of deal between nations yeah. to not continue fucking up the planet as much as they've been. Yeah, in but all the fairness, Paris Accord was never an adequate solution. This was. This is not the world pulling together to solve a problem. The Paris, the Paris Accord is climate. Kind of, is is the whole world tapping us on our heads and saying, look, we're doing something. Yeah, the Paris Climate Accords are just an attempt at... an attempt for... uh, The Paris Climate Accords only exist so that people can say, oh, good, we signed the accords. Now we don't have to worry about the environment. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's a placebo. The Paris Placebo Accords. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, oh, oh, look, see, he's putting us back in the Paris Accord. He's putting us, like, dude, that is the absolute, literal, literal fucking least he can do. Yeah, that is, that is not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is not that big of a deal. He didn't step yeah. on the moon or walk on fucking water. Yeah. But I, I've just like resigned myself as a, as a as a human race as a species just fucking dying, and like I'm kind of where I'm, you know, fuck you all. I'm just gonna concentrate on trying to be as happy as I can, because you're not fucking listening. You're looking at the same exactly. shit as I am. Yeah. When I tried to tell you this, you yeah. fucking started calling me a Trump supporter. 
Okay. Yeah. Hope you're fucking happy. I mean, yeah. we are back in the frying pan, which is where I said we would be. This is where we are, and it's still fucking... It, it, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just worried. I, what, the, the main thing I'm worried about now is how far to the right is Joe Biden going to lean in order to say, let's all come together. Yeah, exactly. You know, because Joe Biden wants to unify people so much that I'm just worried that like, hey, it's time for all of us to come together. You on the right to come here. How about I hug five proud boys and kill 10 brown children? Will that make you happy? Come over here. Come over here. What 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 classification of human do you want me to badmouth? I'll do that for you. I'll give you one. Mm -hmm. Come here. You know? Yeah. He wants to unify us so much that he's going to agree to some shitty things from the right. That's what I'm worried about. While right doing absolutely jack fucking shit besides insulting the left. Yeah. Joe Biden won, which is good in the sense that Trump didn't win, but that doesn't mean that Joe Biden winning is a 100%. Everything's going to be fine. There is still work to be done. Yes. And if it's yeah. not done, fully... it's President Stephen Miller in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, things you forgot happened in 2020. I love this segment. It is so much fun. It is absolutely so much fun. Uh, and cut on that. Bunny! Yes. Hmm? Mm -hmm. uh, we still have a whole show to get to. There's a dream I had with you that I need to discuss. We need was to it, discuss was it the pickle dream. Uh, uh, no, it's weirder than that. Uh, we need to discuss the white star line. We need to discuss um, Robin Williams. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay. We I take, should take I a break. I will take your word for that. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Skitty, papa, do, wow, and break.
direct commerce. But the internet has enabled the small business owner to increase his cash flow more than in the, in the past 25 years than in the entire recorded history. Republicans had cause to laugh today, and no, I'm not talking about Trump care. They're fine with that. The book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide, released on February 8, 2017 and written by Michael J. Knowles, became Amazon's number one bestseller. The book, which contains 266 blank pages, has a loyal fan base who were more than happy to leave a review singing its praise. While many found the book informative, captivating, and the best book they have seen this year, others found that the 266 blank pages actually gave them nightmares. Some purchasers of the book found the blank pages too daunting and are anxiously awaiting the audio version. The GOP base, who vigilantly scrutinizes any and all events for even the slightest hint of conspiracy, concocted this very plausible scenario. Quote, I totally called that Dems would copy this idea and call it their own. Remember kids, if they didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have standards at all. Unquote. In fact, this has already happened when liberal trolls released this book two months earlier. Why Trump Deserves Trust, Respect, and Admiration, written by David King, contains 206 blank pages. TPOF analyst Floyd Likestacox notes that it took Michael J. Knowles two months to plagiarize a blank book. While many agree with Mr. Likestacox, critics are quick to point out that blank novelty books have been a staple of the publishing and novelty industry for many years. They believe that this may indicate that the plagiarism could potentially go back much, much further. Those who are aware of the book, Why Trump Deserves Trust, Respect, and Admiration, repeatedly point out that that book never made the number one spot on Amazon's bestseller list. Research conducted by Satoshi Kanazawa of the London School for Economics and Political Science seems to indicate that Democrats prefer books that actually have words in them. In the good old days, this doesn't happen because they used to treat them very, very rough. And when they protested once, you know, they would not do it again so easily. Are you from Mexico? Are you from Mexico?
Are you a soulless monster stitched together with the bodies of the dead? Were you brought to life by a hideous experiment that was meant to usurp God's authority? Are you damned to roam the earth, a soulless monster without a soul? Well then, simply try Chia Soul. Chia Soul. Simply spread the seeds, water them, and in a few weeks you'll have your very own soul. Chia Soul. By the maker of Chia Pubes. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. <laughs> you nailed that, Bunny. You nailed that. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Huzzah to you. Thank you. <laughs> Huzzah for the shopkeep. Bunny. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting installment of Pope on of uh, Bunny Versus, starring the incomparable Bunny Williams? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you ready? Ready and raring to go? Ready to do it to it? Are you ready, Bunny? Are you pumped, amped, jazzed, psyched, primed? I I am. Let's do this shit. All right. Well then, without any further ado. 
It's time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. <sighs> He's a war hero. He's an American hero. <laughs> Just on All break, right. I noticed that my friend Robert was is watching. Um, yes. So I was glad to see that. That that is Liz's husband, who has done a lot cool. for us. So shout yes. out to Robert. So Yay, how you Shout doing? out to Robert. Yeah. Me. Um, I'm doing all right. I've been living in Oklahoma now for nine years. Yes. Nine years. I have lived in Oklahoma. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, interesting, a little bit frightening. Uh, now, okay, now how this... long, how long did you live in Sacramento? Oh, God. Um, if it's been nine years, then uh, about a decade. So they're close. Because uh, I lived in Sacramento from 2002 to 2011. So, yeah, no, about the same time. About the same time. Huh. That's, that's weird to think about. That's weird to think about it that way. I was kind of, I was kind of hoping you would pick up an accent. Well, shoot. Uh, <laughs> uh, I haven't yet, but I have, I have gained the Oklahoma forty. Yeah. So that's something. Uh, so I had a dream about you, buddy. Okay few nights ago and it was very vivid it was remarkably vivid and i told it to natasha because natasha was in the dream too and she said i can't wait until you tell bunny this dream on the podcast and i was like i wasn't gonna tell him the dream but i guess <laughs> i i guess we take whatever requests we get for this show so um so the dream was was that a Barnes and Noble closed down and it was re it the space was purchased by like a cool record store in Northern California. There was this record store called Dimple Records, and I really like Dimple Records because they sold used CDs and used LPs and used cassettes and used DVDs and used VHS and used video games, new and used of basically everything. You could get uh, the newest CD and then buy five VHS tapes for a dollar and then get yourself a new controller for a GameCube, get yourself two records, a few eight-track cassettes. Like it was a it was a real crazy place. And they had comic books and they had it, they had everything. So it was like that, but in a space that was usually occupied by a Barnes and Noble. Yeah. And and so Natasha and I were going there, and we were without the kids, so of course we were drinking. And yeah. 
for what I'm, I, I, I am still not sure why, but you and Jeannie were there doing a signing. Okay. I'm not sure what you were signing, <laughs> but you were there, you and Jeannie, and you were doing a signing. And so I was really nervous because this was going to be the first time that I met you in public and i told natasha that like this this is really this is going to be the first time that bunny and i meet and i'm a little bit nervous and she said that's okay we'll go early and uh we'll get we'll 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 uh you know it, we'll do whatever it takes for you to feel all right so we got to the record store in the former bookstore and we're like okay so i'm a bit nervous to meet bunny and natasha said okay well, let's get stoned. So we got stoned <laughs> and in the car. We were like pre-gaming it. We, we were like, uh, what's the word? Before a foot, we were tailgating your yeah. site, basically. So we're in the parking lot. This is something we usually do for our anniversary before we go to a movie. So we're in the parking lot and we get a little bit stoned and then we have a beer and then we have another beer and then we have another beer. And then we get more stoned. So the time, by the time we go to the into the bookstore for your signing, we're just sort of floating on air. Okay. And so I spot you and Jeannie, and um, instead of having you sign anything, it, and there's a line of people waiting to to get uh, the autographs of the legendary Bunny and Jeannie. Okay. And so I'm in line. And uh, I'm just waiting there with everybody else. And then when it's my time to be signed, instead of giving you something to sign, and I'm still unsure as to what you're signing. Um, yeah, podcast here. Um, if thankfully, you see the way that the that the screen is probably nobody. So okay, so. I, I'm still unsure as to what you're signing, but when you say okay next. I just get on the table and lay down on the table <laughs> and demand that you pick me up and hold me as a baby. Okay. And lock me in your arms back and forth, which you do, but you're visually uh, a little bit uncomfortable with the situation of me holding, of you holding me as a baby and rocking me back and forth. I, I would not. <laughs> okay well in the dream you were you were very uncomfortable with me making you hold me as a baby and i make you hold me as a baby and and, and you do and then i make you sing me a lullaby and you do and then i start sucking my thumb and crying and that's when i notice that natasha is gone and i don't know how long she's gone so i jump up and freak out because I'm stoned and drunk and I need to find Natasha. So I just take off. Yeah. So I just jump up out of your arms and I'm running through the bookstore that's now a record store looking for Natasha. And I get lost in there. And that's when I realize, oh shit, I never said hi to Jeannie. She's going to hate me. I need to make her hold me like a baby too. <laughs> Even it out. So I go looking for Jeannie, but I can't find Jeannie and I can't find Natasha and I'm lost inside of this bookstore that's not a bookstore. 
And then I finally find you two, and that's when I woke up. Okay. And that was the dream. But to be fair, it was a weird dream, and I don't know what it means, but I will say you do have very soft arms. Well, thanks. It was nice to be held by you, so I'm kind of looking forward to that now. Okay. So, I just want to be held, Bunny. I just want to be held in your big, strong, muscular arms now. Yeah. This is my new thing. This is my new... It's awoken something in me, Bunny. I've been awokened. I found this new beer. I mean, maybe, maybe once, at- once we all get the vaccine, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Natasha can't wait... For the uh, for the um, pandemic to be over and for the kids to uh, graduate and leave the nest because Natasha wants to travel with me, which is something I've hardly ever done ever, but she really wants to do that. Uh, But yeah, I'm I'm waiting for you to hold me now. So that's that's a weird thing. Jeannie and I have kicked around the idea of a, of a road trip, except I really kind of hate road trips, you know? Oh, I love them. And, and I kind of thought what would kind of be cool is if it's a weekend and you do something with the kids and we all go to like an Airbnb there somewhere. That'd be neat. Like, like we just spend the weekend together, almost, you know, a weekend vacation kind of a thing. Yeah, well, I do want to go to Casa Bonita. Yeah. That's the one thing in Colorado that I really want to do is Casa Bonita. Get some sopapillas, watch the cave divers. Go yeah, into the I don't cave. know if they do any of that anymore. I, 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 I can't imagine. Sure. I can't imagine that they do. Yeah. I can't imagine that they do. Uh, from what I've heard, and I could be wrong, could be some other place. But then again, some of the things that should not be open right now are open. Yeah. Disney World oh, is. No, really no, 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 no. I meant even before this. Is oh, it yeah, just a really like... run down? Oh, well, that's sad. You know, which which could be kind of amusing in its own right. Yeah. You know, like, like, I get an image like Disney World and all the rides and shit are shut down. <coughs> yeah. And it's just like a few of the people in costume. And the costumes are, like, really dirty and ripped, you know? But, like, there's Mickey, like, yeah, hi, okay? And Goofy's yeah. like, like, okay, I'm not, I'm on break. I'm not saying hi to anybody. Go away. Go break time. Goofy's time, okay? Yeah. <coughs> so okay. that's what so- I've heard Casa Bonita's become. 
Okay, well, I looked it up just now, and apparently I'm reading the Denver Post, and the headline from uh, last month says, no, Casa Bonita hasn't permanently closed, but it's not likely to reopen anytime soon. Okay. So it looks like they're not doing good, but apparently the rumor is that they've closed down for good, and that's not happening. But also, they have no fucking idea when they're ever going to reopen again. Yeah. So that's sad. But still, I'm gunning. I really want to go to Casa Bonita. Even if it's run down, that, if anything, that would be better. Yeah. You know? Because... I really love shitty things. Well, it all depends on what they're charging for the meal. I mean, if they're still charging the same prices yeah. for the meal when it was a whole big spectacle, fuck that. That's a good point. <laughs> so anyway, that's 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 it for me. How are you doing, Bunny? I've been doing okay. I've been doing okay. Um Good days, bad days. Yeah. You know. And if for the most part, just trying to get into things I enjoy more. You know? Yeah. And trying to take pressure off of myself that I tend to put on myself. So. Yeah. So this week, pretty much been working on Dabney's apartment. So I have a set to shoot him on. Not bad so far. But we'll see as that develops. Yeah. But I, I, I think Dabney himself, if you saw the pictures, he's kind of at an acceptable level now. I did. You know? Okay. So let's get him into the fold and start working on him and doing little bits with him and things. So. Cool. I think he does look good. Yeah. I kind of lost track of time that, man, it's been a while now since I did the Dr. Vornoff bit. And I should yeah. I should work on getting like one bit out a month let's say you know do something with one of them at least once a month all right i'm down with that so dabney was always my favorite i like the idea of an alien who's just sort of a regular guy yeah Yeah. I always liked that idea. That's a good concept. Um, like, like, I was kind of, like, I, I, I kind of made a, a, a vow to myself, not a vow exactly, that I wouldn't get bitchy over politics until after the inauguration. You know? Okay. But God damn, okay. Joe Biden is making it fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all making it just very, very difficult. Yeah. 
I mean, can... Oh, I don't know. Maybe... Do something about the sedition? <laughs> you know, I mean... Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Like, this is okay? Yeah, they... Yeah, they're not freaking out about it. it nobody's getting angry about it. it, it it's fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And you see tons of... And every single time you see tons of different articles from different news sources and things like that. Like, here are the things that they can do. And then yeah. they're not gonna... They're not yeah, gonna. No, absolutely not. Nancy Pelosi can force yeah. them to all lose their fucking seats, and she's not gonna. You know, there there were a lot of things, including shutting the government down, to stop. Uh, what's her face on the Supreme Court? Cory Barrett. I forget her yeah. name. The one that Trump appointed to. He's got three fucking Supreme Court picks. What? Yeah. Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. And they could have blocked this, and they didn't. Not only did they didn't, did they not, but they didn't even try. Nope, they did not. They absolutely did not. So, so I, I'm trying to avoid it. <laughs> But they're making it very, yeah. very difficult. That's all I'm saying here, okay? Yeah. Yes, it's, they are. It's unreal. I, 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 why, why can't people see that that they're all a fucking problem? Trump is the biggest problem. Great, okay? But it doesn't mean that the other ones are not problems. Yeah, yeah. They're There's problems on both. They're <laughs> all fucked differently, but they're all fucked. You know? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So Dabney's getting an apartment. <laughs> Good. It's it's much better. I, I've been watching a lot of Marvel fanboy shit on YouTube. I don't know okay. what else to call it. You know, they're, they're all like, well, Carnage comes from here, and Black Widow comes, you know, these kinds of things. Yeah. So endless speculation of what the next phase is going to be. And... The thing is, is like I'm I'm only watching it because it's like the only safe thing to watch. <laughs> you know, like if they're just talking about Marvel movies, nothing bad is gonna happen here. You know, it's yes. not like it's not like somewhere in the geek rant. They're going to stop and be like, kill all the Jews. And Captain Marvel then. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, that's kind of why I'm watching it, because it's just meaningless nonsense that's not going to hurt anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that that's also the reason why I watch so much uh, theme park stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Of, like, here's someone, and they're going to be spending the day at Disney Hollywood Studios, and I'm like, this is nice. <laughs> yes, get yourself some popcorn and ride that ride. Hey, honey. No. Um, I have officially... I have a back pocket in these sweatpants. You do? Oh, shit, you have a back pocket in those sweatpants. That's weird. It's weird since I stare at your back so much that I never noticed the back pocket. Back. Um, so, I'm a big fan of spines. So... Spinal taps, you mean. Baby got spine. See what I... Yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have officially lived in Oklahoma for exactly the um, for for roughly the exact same amount of time that I lived in Sacramento. So I moved to Sacramento in 2002. We moved in 2011. Now it's 2020. That's fascinating to me. We need to move. We need to move. Okay. We can we can we can move to Denver and Bunny can hold me. <laughs> Colorado. Bunny has these strong arms. As long as he makes you feel they hold held. you. Yeah. Bunny, Bunny's, Bunny, no. I feel held by him. He Bella feels like home to me. Has spent more time in Oklahoma than in California. And that upsets wow. me. And I know that's true about Maxwell too, because it was only three months yeah. when I moved. And obviously this one was born here. I'm sorry that you haven't gone home first again. I really did want to go back to California and have you. It's fascinating. Uh We can't move now. Oklahoma City is getting a new drive-in. <laughs> Look on your face. Come on, Ellie. That's fascinating. I love you. Uh -huh. You're the best. No, you don't love me. Mm -hmm. I love you so much. We, sh we, we should go to the drive-in and make out. Bro. <laughs> Go to the drive-in and start smooching. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. Fun. Um, so I think that's Dabney should have a roommate that you never see. Dabney should have a roommate that you never see, but he's constantly uh, complaining about his roommate, Kyle. Kyle. If he has an apartment, then Dabney can't afford an apartment by himself. So he so he has a roommate named Kyle who's always putting his brain samples in different spots. He oh he moved my he moved my ray gun. Yeah. Fucking Kyle. Kyle. That was just I just came up with that. I think that's a good idea. It's a thought. Never see him. Yeah. It's a and thought. I like yeah. But I think that is about it for this week. I, I just don't have anything else to say. Um, cool. We can get to Shap. It's a pretty good one. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. So until next week. Self-sticking adhesive? 
Why, yes, please. And cut on that. And cut on that. Buddy! Yes! If you're like me, then you're no doubt a fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays? In this day and age, at this time, The Pope on Film is really bringing us all together. But only real fans of the podcast, true fans who have been with us since we started in 1996, would really know the two facts about us, two undeniable facts, two undeniably real and not in any way made up on the spot facts about the two of us, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, the undeniably real fact about you, Bunny, is that you're a part-time celebrity impersonator. So tell us, Bunny, about some of the celebrities you impersonate. Um, some of the celebrities that I impersonate, um, really has a lot to do with how you define celebrity. Because uh, there are a lot of historical figures that nobody remembers, but God damn it, they were celebrities. You know, so, so the, the, I have nothing, man. I can't even think of a, (laughs) when you shave your beard off, I'm really blown away that like, sure, there are celebrity impersonators out there for Elvis and Marilyn Monroe. Not a lot of people are doing Ray Maland. So you no. are a real pioneer. When you shave, uh, you do a great Ray Milland. Yes. And I also do Ray Milland's cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Who was famous locally for being Ray Milland's cousin. Yeah. Ray Milland's cousin, Chris Catan. <laughs> Chris Catan and Ray Milland. They're like... Two peas in a pot. I, I, I could do I could do a fairly good Lou Ferrigno. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, alternate universe. You're an alternate universe celebrity impersonator. Yes. So it's like uh, I'm Lou Ferrigno. It's like oh, but you don't look like Lou Ferrigno. Oh well, I'm from a universe where you know he has 100 percent of his hearing. Hmm. So, since he can hear everything, he didn't have to buff up. Yes. Yeah. And the second thing, the second fact that you know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So, what I like to do is I like to find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of... Steve's Historic Approximations! Dun, 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 dun. Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's short and strong and powerful. It's the Peter Dinklage of podcast segments. Yes. 
Peter Dinklage has signed up to star in a reboot of the Toxic Avenger. That is a 100% yeah, I, fact. I, I, I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. If we're talking about the Toxic Avenger, you can kind of go anywhere, can't you? Yeah. I was hoping for Idris Elba, because that man can do no wrong. Yes. But uh, Peter Dinkins will be will be good. Space pants. Anywho, uh, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be doing a nice short shap about Violet, the killer of boats. A story okay. full of such irony. That it's quite surprising that a TV show hasn't been made with her story. I could write an entire episode of Supernatural about um, Violet, the killer of boats. Anyway, the Violet in question was an Argentinian woman named Violet Constance Jessup. She was born on October 2nd, 1887 in a town in Argentina that I am not even going to try and pronounce. Okay. Out of respect. Yes. Not even going to try. She's Argentinian, but her parents were Irish immigrants, and I like that. That's cool. Like, like a, oh, where should we go there? My, my beautiful wife. And it's like, oh, maybe we should go to Ellis Island. No, America's a piece of shit. Maybe <laughs> we should do this else. You're right. America's a piece of crap. Maybe we should go. So, so yeah, America is trash. Argent Argentina, that's fine. They they have uh, a lot of balconies and people singing. So that's yes. fine. Violet, Violet Jessup was the oldest of six kids. Technically, there were nine kids, but six survived. Because it was 1887. Yeah. You know? So it's like, we're going to have 13 kids. That way, we'll end up with about five that are alive. <laughs> that, that just makes sense for the time. You know? So they had nine. So she was the oldest of six kids in three corpses, basically. Okay. If I'm doing the math on that. Hooray, olden times. Yes. So when she was younger, her father died of it's the 1890s. Okay. Which killed a lot of people. He actually that, died during. Particularly at that time. Yeah. He actually died during surgery, which is funny because it's like the 1890s. So it's like, no, don't worry. This is a normal procedure, just a normal surgery. Here, you lay down. Now I'm going to knock you out. Nurse, will you give me the bat? And then she he gets the bat, and then doof, doof, doof. Okay, he's knocked out. Now we can perform surgery on him, because it's 1890. This is medicine. Yes. I imagine that the doctor was like, okay, so we're gonna so it's time to do the surgery. Now get me some morphine, get me some heroin, get me some cocaine, and you know what? A little bit for the patient too. Yes. And then when we're all feeling good, then we'll start cutting him up. So he died of it's the olden times. Uh, and so via, and so the family moves to England because there's just some more job opportunities for them there in England. And Violet was basically forced to become a parent while her mom worked. 
And see, here's the thing. It's like 1890, 1899, it's 1900. And here's the thing. Back then, if you really want money, if you really need money, if you're really desperate for money, well, you can always hop on a cruise liner and work as a cook or a uh, stewardess or a scrubbery maid, and you'll yeah. get good money. You just have to leave your friends and family and kids. Yeah. But that's always an option, you know? So, so, but it was good money. It was really good money. And so Violet's mom left the family and went to sea to become a stewardess on ocean liners and send the money to Violet, who was then forced to, to be a mother and father. So this is how it was for a while. Violet was a teenage surrogate mom to her five siblings while her mom was off at sea. And that's how it was for a number of years. She's like 17, 18, 19, 20, and she's being a parent to five children. And that had to be rough in like the 1900s. Yes. In the early 1900s be apparent to all of these kids so then uh violet turns 21 and the mom who is off at sea gets ill seriously ill gravely ill so the mom returns home and there's no money left and in the movie in my head okay mom is like on, on bed super sick and she takes violet's hands and says daughter it is your turn now. You must take my place. You, to save this family, you must become married to the sea. To the sea. Yeah. And so at age 21, Violet, in order to save her family, goes off to get a job with an ocean liner. Um, but here's the thing. Violet is very attractive. She is an attractive woman. She is a very, there's pictures of her. Because like 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, there's pictures of her. And, and she's a very attractive woman. And so uh, her family was bringing no money in and she has to get a job. So she goes to get a job with with an ocean liner. And she's like, fine, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll follow in your footsteps, mom. I'll get a job with an ocean liner. That should be fine. You've been in numerous ocean liners and nothing bad has happened. I see no catastrophes ahead. Okay. Wink. I'll get a job with an ocean liner. But again, there's one small, very strange problem. Violet Jessup was hot. And so she she goes to to get a job at an ocean liner, and and the people are like, "Well, you're a very attractive woman, and uh, you, you 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 know you're the right age, and and you'd be perfect." Uh, so let me explain why we're not going to hire you. You're too hot. Okay. Way too attractive. It's like 1911. We hire poor immigrants. Yes. We hire. We hire uh, poor people off the street to go work in the, the, the <laughs> shoveling coal in the bottom of the ship. You're an attractive-ass woman. We're not going to hire you. So she actually went back home and dressed herself down because they said she was too attractive to get hired by the Royal Mail Line. So she went back home and dressed down and made herself look less attractive and and then finally, when she was less attractive, 
active, she got hired to work for the Royal Mail Lines. And it's so weird because I had to do the same thing to get hired at the bookstore. Yeah. Back in the day, I was I, like, I hello, to go work at a bookstore. And they're like, whoa. You're too much of a handsome son of a bitch. We yes. just can't hire you. So I had to make myself uglier just to get a job at the bookstore. It's so odd. So now, uh, Violet Jessup, I'm going to call her VJ. Just to save time. So she's VJ. So now VJ, for the next few years... She becomes a well-respected stewardess aboard some of the biggest and most respected ocean liners of the day. And then in 1911, White Star Line announces the largest civilian ocean liner ever made, the RMS Olympic. I bet you thought I was going to say some other ocean liner. No, it wasn't. It was the Olympic. It cost... Seven and a half million dollars to make. It was 175 feet tall, 882 feet long with nine decks and uh, boasting a capacity of 2,435 passengers. The RMS Olympic was the leader of the White Star Line. And of course, our girl VJ signed on to become a stewardess. Wow, this is a big job. At the time, 1911, the RMS Olympic was the biggest ocean liner out there, period. And her getting a job there was a really huge deal. You know, but but our girl Violet has got this. On September 20th, 1911, a British warship called the Hawk with an E, because British, is cruising through the ocean, and bam! It collides headfirst into the RMS Olympic. There's a hole in the ship. There's smoke. The boat is rocking. The 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 ship, uh, people on the ship are panicking, running around, screaming, oh, no, we're going to sink. Oh, no, abandoned ship. This will definitely be the most famous ocean liner that has ever sunk. Oh, my God. Everyone will know the story of the Olympic. This is the biggest wreck in the history of ocean liners. Oh, no, we're all going to die. And then the captain comes on and basically says, Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh... Now, this is going to sound fucking weird, but hear me out, ladies and gentlemen. Did we collide with another ship? Yes. <laughs> Have we taken massive damage? Yes. Is there a hole in the ship? Yup. But here's the thing. The damage is mostly external. Is there a hole in the ship? Yes. But it's above the waterline. Have we gotten in a wreck? Yes. But here's the thing. I think we got this. (laughs) I think we're going to be fine. Is the ship smoking? Yes. Is there a hole? Yes. But I think we can make it. So look, we're just going to go slow. We're going to take it easy. I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll be fine. I'm pretty sure we got this. Yeah. And they make 
the fucking port with a wrecked fucking ship and a hole in the ship. But they made it to port absolutely fine. And uh, Violet is all, phew, that was crazy. Man, for a while there, we all thought the ship was going to go down. Our lives were flashing before our eyes. We thought we were going to die. I thought I was going to end up in the freezing cold ocean. I thought I was going to die. I thought for sure that I was going to die in this uh, ocean liner accident of 19... 1911. Boy, that would have been crazy, right? Can you imagine what it would have been like to be in a massive cruise liner uh, uh, disaster? Gee, I'm sure glad that that didn't happen. I'm so glad that I wasn't in. So anyway, seven months later, she got another job with the RMS Titanic. Yeah. 24, just seven months after the near sinking of the RMS Olympic, our girl, Violet Jessup, boarded the Titanic as a stewardess. So, hey, uh, spoiler alert, the Titanic went down. Yeah, you froze up there. Uh, to be clear the titanic film meaning there hasn't been a character named violet jessup in any of these movies okay okay but uh when the titanic was going down the captain did go to uh, violet and say violet you're a stewardess you've been around for a while I, I need your help with something. See, a lot of the people on this boat are foreigners. A lot of them don't speak English. We're telling them to put life jackets on. We're telling them to come to the deck. We're telling them everything will be fine. But we've got a lot of people on this boat that don't speak English and that don't know what's happening. And a lot of people that are freaking out. And then there are some people who think that, that the boat will be fine and, that, and, and aren't putting on the life jackets. I imagine those people will eventually... Uh, will somehow survive and have children who won't believe that they need to wear a mask during the pandemic. Yes. But, uh, so here's what I want you to do, Violet. Here's a life jacket. Put it on, walk around the deck. That's all I want you to do. Put this on, walk around the deck, tell people everything will be fine, show them how to put on the jacket, you will be fine. Um, and although Violet has never officially appeared as the character Violet Jessup in any Titanic movie, there is always a character based on her. Yeah. From a night to remember, goddamn Leonardo DiCaprio, every Titanic film has the one stewardess walking around the deck in the life preserver trying to calm people, and that is based on Violet Jessup. Okay. So, just FYI, that is our girl. And also to sort of tie uh, Steve's to tie Steve's historic approximations together, I wonder if Violet Jessup ever knew the cook who survived in the ocean because of the how much he got drunk. Yes, I don't remember his name, 
but that was another really good chap. Yes, yes of the cook who survived being yeah. So they were on the same boat together. I wonder if they knew each other. Anyway, so um, here's a crazy story about Violet Jessup surviving the Titanic. She survived. She managed to get on a on a. Uh, she she was helping people get on lifeboats, and eventually, you know, someone said, "Okay, Violet, you're assigned lifeboat 16. Get on in there," and she did. And she managed to uh, survive on the lifeboat and get saved by the sister ship, the Carpathia, and she she survived the Titanic. But but here's a funny story. It was a crazy time when the Titanic was going down, right? Yeah. Uh, everyone's everyone's panicking and freaking out and screaming and running, and it's just a madhouse. So Violet, so someone tells her, you're on lifeboat 16, get on that lifeboat. So she gets on the lifeboat, and she's all nervous, and she's freaking out, and she hopes she'll be okay, and the boat is sinking, and she should be fine, and she's sitting on the lifeboat, lifeboat 16, right before the boat goes in the water. Seconds before the boat goes in the water, someone just on the boat, it's just a madhouse. Everybody's running around, freaking out. And right before the boat goes into the water, someone hands her a baby and without saying anything else, just says, here, take this. (laughs) And then the boat goes into the water and the boat. And then the lifeboat goes off, and she sees the Titanic sink. She sees the Titanic go into the water. She hears the people in the ocean screaming, and then it gets lower and lower, and eventually there's just bodies and one drunken cook, but that's beside the point. And she's there on the lifeboat, and she's going, oh, man, I can't believe I survived that. I can't believe I survived that. The Titanic sunk, and somehow I survived. Wow, what an amazing story. Side note, what fucking baby is this? <laughs> I got well, I think it was nice that somebody life. gave her a snack. Right? She's like, whose fucking baby is this? What's the baby's name? Who's the baby's mom? Who's the baby? They just said, take this. Do I have another? Do I have a kid now? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? You just hand me a kid and say, fucking take this? Now I got this goddamn baby. Whose fucking baby is this? <laughs> am, I a, am I a mom now? I technically was before, but am I a am I a mom now? What the fuck do I do? So she 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 holds the baby, she takes care of the baby, and uh, eventually her lifeboat lifeboat sixteen is saved by Titanic sister ship the Carpathia, and she's there on the deck of the Carpathia holding the baby, and as she's just standing there, some random woman crying and freaking out. Runs up to her, screaming and crying. Ah, 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 takes the baby and takes off without a word. Our girl Violet Jessup assumes that was the mom, but yes. she didn't even know the baby's name, let alone the name of the person who took the baby. And so, so that was it. She survived the Titanic. She survived the Olympic, and she survived the Titanic. She, and and. Uh, 
eventually she goes back to work for the White Star Lines and she's a stewardess and years go by and she's fine. She's survived two uh, boat uh, disasters, but she's okay. And then war breaks out. World War One, and Britain starts converting uh, old ocean liners into ships for the war. And so Violet Jessup loves Britain. It's her country that she's been living in for so long, and she loves it. So she signs up for the British Red Cross, and they say, hey, you used to work for the White Star Lines. We've been taking their old cruise ships and turning them into ships for the war. And so we have all of these old cruise liner ships that are now hospital ships, and you've worked on those ships, and we still need people to run those freaking ships. So she becomes a stewardess yes. for the war. She becomes a war stewardess working on one of the old White Star ships, the Britannic, in uh, 1916. So she's working in a hospital ship, and then, of course... Because we're talking about Violet, the sinker of boats, in on November twenty first, nineteen sixteen, the Britannic hits a deep sea mine. Now, here's the crazy part: people okay. learned about people learned about the Britannic hitting a deep sea mine in twenty sixteen. Before then, no one had any idea why the Britannic sank. Really? The Britannic's just along, and then suddenly, oh, we hit something, or something hit us, or something exploded, or we don't know what the fuck happened, but we're going down. <laughs> uh, before that, it was a mystery, and a lot of uh, conspiracy theorists are have for decades said, did someone in the Britannic sink the Britannic? Could yeah. it be that... Britain itself sank their own boat. But no, in 2016, uh, Jacques Cousteau's son, I don't know, Jimmy Cousteau, I'm yeah. assuming, decided like, fuck it, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to fucking find this shit out. And he, he found the, the wreck of the ship and then found a deep sea mine that was lodged in it. And they're like, okay, I, it's 2016. And I, I Jimmy Cousteau has finally figured out this. Yeah, they hit a mine and they went down. But it sank fast. The Titanic took roughly three hours to sink and the Britannic sank in about 50 minutes. Yeah. So it sank like a motherfucker and um, 30 people died, not one of which was our girl Violet, who did survive but had a very cinematic fright, which a lot of other boat disaster movies copied because she makes it on the boat. She makes it on the lifeboat and the lifeboat is dropped down and she's like, okay, fine. Now let's row away from here. But the problem was while the Britannic was sinking, the engine was still running. So as they were trying to escape the the sinking ship, the pro giant propeller was still running and was sinking, was uh, dragging the boat towards it. Okay, yeah. All the people are rowing away from the engine, but the engine is taking the boat closer and closer, and eventually all of the people in the lifeboat had to jump, and the lifeboat was eaten by the propeller, and while she jumped, she sustained a near-fatal a head injury that almost killed her, but she survived. 
And in 1920, the goddamn VJ went back to work with White Star Lines. She worked with cruise liners until her retirement in 1950 and died in the early 70s at the ripe old age of 83, despite surviving three of the worst boat accidents in recorded history. Man, oh man. And I find that absolutely fascinating. And, and yeah, I know you gotta wonder I say if this a lot during that, there. Yeah, that's why I was saying I could write an entire super episode of Supernatural about, you know, like, oh, this woman doesn't realize that she's the great, great relative of Violet Jessup. Yeah. And so she goes on a cruise liner and it sinks or explodes and everyone dies but her. And then she goes on another boat and it and everyone dies but her. Is it a curse? Yes, it's the curse of her family because her great, great great-grandmother was Violet Jessup. And now the ghost of Violet Jessup is haunting her. You could write a whole fucking... I could write a whole hour yeah. about this woman. You know? That is pretty amazing. Yeah. Absolutely love that story. Absolutely love that story. And I know I say this usually during every shaft, but I gotta say it. I'm surprised that more people don't know this story. Yeah, It's a fascinating story. That I absolutely love. Violet freaking Jessup. An important so, story. So anyway, that yes, I think so. So that's a shaft this week. I feel like we've had some really good shafts. I really liked the zombies last week. I really liked uh, the pornographer, the oh, British God, yeah. pornographer who took down yard. That was really good. And uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? The douchebag? Uh, uh, Curtis Montague Schilling. Yes. And how he lost all of his riches with an RPG video game. Yeah. <laughs> See, I feel like we've been having some really good shafts this holiday season, is what yes. I'm saying. Yes. The, the, this is, this the, is the, the shafts have been shaps. passing very well. Yeah. I like those. So join us next week for more historically. Uh, educationally uneducational fun with Steve's historic approximations. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes! We still have a movie to get to, which I thought would be more fun, but... It, 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 <laughs> it, <laughs> you would think with this cast that... the Anyway... I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. We still have a movie to get to, but before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. All right. Uh, we will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. And break.
montage. Montage. Disco montage. It's a montage. We're cleaning up the streets. We're getting people with wife beaters. Asking them questions. In an alleyway. I'm wearing a peach colored suit. And everything's cool. It's a montage. A disco montage. Is that a jeepney? That's weird. It's a montage. Here's my business card. It's a montage. A disco montage. We are cleaning up the streets. We're whacking the attack. And sometimes we're attacking the whack. And sometimes it's a whack attack. Because we don't have a coherent catchphrase yet for what we are doing. Maybe we should get some better publicity. Maybe hire somebody to do this stuff to figure out what we should call this. Maybe we can do that in our montage. Kung Fu montage. We're talking to drunk people. That might... I think that's MC Hammer now. MC Hammer's drunk. He is drunk in a hallway. We're walking past pawn shops in our montage. A kung fu montage. Disco Godfather and a guy with an afro. A really impressive afro in a montage. Walking down to something. Not really steps, but maybe that is a thing. And this guy's got a briefcase. And he's got his at a pipe. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. He's signing a piece of paper. In a montage, Smokey the Bear montage. They are walking down the streets with some fine ladies. In a montage, beating up random people that they see on the street. Got real big glasses. See somebody beating up people, doing real bad kung fu. Getting some guy, grabbing him by the sweater. Slapping him across the face, his sweaty face in a montage. I've got a dog montage. Since 1927, the American Optus Eyeglass Corporation has had one central goal to provide top class, high quality eyewear. The hot ass. Whether it's Anne Hathaway from the Princess Diaries, Rachel Lee Cook in She's All That, or Mothra in Destroy All Monsters, the American Optics Eyeglass Corporation is there to further a sexist film trope for cash. Do you know the 1957 Humphrey Bogart classic film The Big Sleep? In that film, Lauren Bacall is a nerdish bookworm with glasses. And who made those glasses? We did. The American Optics Eyeglass Corporation. You're not attractive, you wear glasses. Hi, everybody. My name is Steve, and today we're going to be writing songs for people, random people, at the Home Depot. Hope you like it. Check out my hair, my hair is awesome. Check out my hair, my hair is awesome. Uh.
I'm showing off in a red shirt. I'm showing off in a red shirt. Check me out. I am really awesome and I'm showing off in a red shirt. Later getting something from the trunk. No way does she have her stuff. Did she drop something? No, she's picking up trash. Picking up trash that's on the street. Picking up trash, trash lady. I want to do you all night long. I am normal, I am normal. Conform, conform, I am normal. Check out my shirt. I love khaki shorts, and I'm secretly in love with my best friend and my khaki shorts. Getting in the van, getting in the van, driving away, driving away, driving away in my van. I'm scared. Are you scared? I'm, I'm really, really scared. You're scared.
Come on, guys, it's star time. Okay, lean in, everyone. You can't keep pretending your family doesn't exist. Pretty sure I can. <laughs> Hi, Nelson. I'm calling to tell you I'm a dad. The baptism's on the 24th. That would mean that I would have spent Christmas with uh, dad. But no, I have a feeling this trip is going to be very good for you and your dad. Go home. I love you. Look at this pile of crap. This country's so damn excessive, it makes me want to puke. Where's Douglas's stuff? Lloyd and I left all of Douglas's stuff in Chicago. Get in the truck, Gladys. We got Christmas to save. Oh, oh boy, slow down! Ah! Left my damn keys in my damn car! Uh, you just threw a flower pot through your window there. Yeah. I bet they're having a ball. I gotta take a squirt. Do you guys have a bathroom or no? Yeah, we got indoor plumbing. Oh, what a jackass. I'm sorry I didn't snuggle or cuddle you enough. What the hell was that? Jesus, somebody. What are we gonna do? We can burn them. You got knee bourbon. <laughs> My power tool. Why are there shotgun pellets in my chicken? Because it's squirrel.
And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Now it's nice. I like that. Uh, oh, I, I, I was about to do Bunny like it was Act 1. Act 3, Bunny! Act 3! Act 3! <laughs> Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film Podcast to casually stroll on into the third and final act of the show, and it is said third act wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all-new high-in-fiber, great-tasting, and part of a balanced breakfast. But to be fair, anything could be part of a balanced breakfast if you balance it right. Yes. Yes, I'm meaning three pounds of chocolate, but do you notice the 800 grapes I'm also eating? Balanced yes. breakfast. Uh-huh, exactly. Uh, they should be part of a Thanos breakfast. Yeah. Uh, movie of the week. That's where I was. And this week we, dis- we try and discuss how a film with such a great <laughs> cast can ruin Christmas so much with a look at the 2014 Christmas movie Merry frigging Christmas. Yes. Uh, Bunny, what are your preliminary thoughts on this film? I, I, no. No. (sighs) I mean, I, the Uh, movie, the movie was over. When he got the phone call, and she was like, you can't avoid your family forever, and he says, yes, I can. I agreed. Totally. Yeah. Movie's over. Yeah. Roll credits. Uh, First off, I'd like to take this time to say that I knew that uh, Robin Williams killed himself, but I didn't know he hung himself. That's a different type of killing yourself. Yeah. Jesus, dude. Wow. You really, you really, uh, you really, uh, you really meant it. Uh, secondly, um, uh, see, 2020 has been such a hideous garbage fire that usually during the Christmas season, we watch some really crappy, bizarre, strange, whatever bizarre, strange Christmas stuff we can find. And uh, but this year, I thought, let's keep it light. Let's keep it fun. Let's keep it funny. Hey, here's a movie with with a really great comedic cast. And I'm sure this will be a laugh riot. Yeah. Uh, But in reality, this movie easily could have been one of the films that we would watch on any normal Christmas, but not the type of movie that I was going for for this Christmas. So FYI, next week, I'm taking a very different turn. I'm taking the law into my own hands. It's going to be a very different sort of thing. Uh, But... I mean, if a script isn't there, then the script isn't there. I think that's the best way you can describe this film. Yeah. 
like if the script isn't all there, then it doesn't matter how many very talented celebrities you stuff into your movie. If the script isn't there, the script isn't there, you know? Right. Agreed. And, and the, the script the definitely script wasn't there for this fucking movie. And it's not like, like I, I don't think I could blame any of the actors for this. Everybody did a good job. They can't help what the script is telling them to do. Yeah, every actor is trying their best with what they have. It's not their fault that what they have is very little, if anything. Robin Williams made me hate him. But that was what the role was. This movie... This movie, the script and the quality of the film and the acting and the sets, it felt like if the Asylum tried to make a mockbuster of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That this would be yeah. what they came up with. Yeah. And Jesus, really, and what a fucking cast. Yeah, it's got so many people, so many celebrities they've stuffed in this film. It's got Tim from Tim and Eric. And also, he's from uh, Jordan Peele's Us. Yeah. Love that goddamn movie. The film has Oliver Platt as a drunken Santa. Yeah. Who just wants uh, the, the friendly state trooper is Colin Robinson, the energy vampire from What We Do in the Shadows, the television show, which I fucking love. Yeah. Plus, he was in the movie VHS, which we did right before the summer this year. So so he's in it. Uh, It has Clemmy from Reno 911. She's also in the Goldbergs now, but I haven't seen that show, even though I know I would like it. Uh, Who else is in this? Lorelai Gilmore and Jeff Winger are married. Yes. That makes so much sense. (laughs) <laughs> and it's got uh candace bergen who i fell in love with in boston legal yeah uh she was amazing in that uh, working with uh candace bergen and her ex-husband william shatner on boston legal it was such a great pairing yeah of two oh, people man. who like each other and now they hate each other and just those two they were just so Good together. And of course, the elephant in the room, Robin freaking Williams. That is such an impressive goddamn cast, but the but the script is just like, hey, let's remake National Lampoon's Vacation, but here's the thing. Let's make it less funny. Yeah. I so his father was a bastard and his father remained a bastard through the whole fucking thing. Yeah. And then when I first saw the film, when I first, I, I had a lot of high hopes for, um, for Merry Frickin' Christmas. But when I first started watching the film, I was like, I thought this movie might make me uncomfortable because the dad's a heavy drinker. And he's angry all the time. 
and his belief that asthma is all in your head and the son Boyd is base is avoiding his family because of his childhood trauma and yeah. also a, a, a lack of uh, romance. I mean, all of that hits home. Yeah. You know, so much of that. I mean, that's basically my life. But thankfully, this film isn't good enough to make me feel bad about those things. <laughs> like ooh this has thematic elements that would make me uncomfortable what with the asshole drinking father who uh treats his kids like shit and gives them trauma which the kids then carry into their own parenting uh this movie might make me uncomfortable oh wait this movie's a piece of shit if it was a better movie, it would make me feel bad about all of those things but it's just it's just the script isn't there the, it's just this isn't a good film. No. Period. Yeah. No. My my dad, my 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 parents were very traditionally Latino, and Latino culture is oftentimes just remarkably old school, like nineteen forties sexist. Yeah. And so my dad was always the one where he was like, I handle the finances. My wife doesn't understand money. <laughs> and my dad would be like out of a job and it's like, I don't know what we're going to do. And my mom would come along and it's like, oh, hi, I'm the mom. And I've been saving all of this money this entire time. So we should be fine. Yeah. And then like my dad would always say, my mom would always save my dad's ass, but my dad still kept believing i'm in charge i'm the husband the husband has to be in charge the husband has to be in charge the husband is strong and has to be in charge so my dad thought he did all the christmas shopping and he's like don't it's christmas eve kids 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 i'm an important business meeting that will last me all day and i will see you tonight and it's like, okay, we know what you're going to do. You're going to do the Christmas shopping. And my dad would go off all day on Christmas Eve and do the Christmas shopping. The problem was he didn't know his own fucking family. And it was obvious on Christmas morning what was bought by my mom and what was bought by my father. Because what was bought by my father was bought at the first place he went to seconds before christmas day and this is what they had and hey stevie here you go but yeah. my mom by christmas presents over a period of months and my mom was the one who actually got us the things we actually fucking wanted yeah and so she knew us and she would get us the good presents. We used to spend Christmas at my grandmother's house in, and she lived in Douglas, which was right on the border between uh, America and Mexico. So we would spend every Christmas like right there next to Mexico and all of my mom's extended family would be there. And my mom has like six siblings and they all had kids. And so all of these cousins would be there and we would all sleep on the floor and we would, we, you know, we were all very young and we were so excited to open presents on Christmas morning on at my grandmother's house. And we were all excited and it was so much fun every year, every year we would do this and get together with the family and it was so much fun. And then one year we just stopped. We stopped going to Douglas and we stopped having Christmas with the entire family. And it was really sad. And, and I really hated it. 
cut two years later and I'm on my blog, uh, which was still a thing. And I'm complaining about spending Christmas, every, spending all of the holidays at my uh, uh, stepmother and stepfather, my step family's house with all of Natasha's family. And I'm yeah. complaining it because they don't have the internet and cell phones don't work they're out of range and they're in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing near them and it's like just it, it was like being in like this time warp and I absolutely hated it every year and one day my dad calls me and and and, and, I'm, and he says Stevie I heard I was reading your blog about uh you know how you hate spending the holidays uh with your uh, with your wife uh, your wife's family and you know what you need to do you need to just put your foot down Stevie and say hey I'm the man and I am I am running the family and I am in charge of the family and that's what you need to do that's what I did with Christmas remember we spend Christmas with your grandma with with your mom's family I hated that so one year I just told I just told your mom hey it's either your family or it's me if we don't spend Christmas at home then I am leaving and that's why we never went to your grandmother's house and I'm like you fucking asshole that was so much fucking fun <laughs> I was so fucking pissed off and I'm like that's why we stopped going to to grandmother's house every Christmas because you were being a whiny bitch yeah. so then I stopped complaining about then I stopped complaining about going to the in-laws house every year Yeah. after that and I'm like well, now Netflix has a function where you can download some shows I'll be fine yeah <laughs> Speaking of, to bring it back to the movie, the guy who directed this is like this British guy, and this was his first movie he ever directed, and he mostly works in TV, and he's basically directed, he's directed episodes of 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, Nurse Jackie, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, all of these amazing shows, and it's like, you have such an amazing comedy background, why was this your creation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like with your amazing comedic background and you've done so many uh, amazing classic legendary comedy shows, why did you make this? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this definitely sad. needed a good few laughs. Here's here is the theory as to what I think went wrong with this film because there's not a lot of information about this movie. Uh, and a lot of it focuses on Robin Williams because Robin Williams for, uh, killed himself. Uh, so here's the theory as to what I think happened with this film. Okay, so um, uh, da, 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 da. the filmmakers had the movie 100% completed. It was done, it was edited, and sound and all of that. The film was completed. And then Robin Williams killed himself so they went back to the studio and recut the entire movie. Are we sure that this isn't the reason why Robin Williams killed himself? I mean, do we know that? To, to be fair, I honestly think that a large portion of Robin Williams' depression comes from the fact that when a movie is bad... Oftentimes, we blame the star of the movie, and that is wrong 
Because movies are such a massive group effort that, like, when Ishtar is bad, we should be blaming the director, the writer, the producers, all of these people. But instead, we're like, fucking Dustin Hoffman? Like, yeah. Dustin, it's not his fault. And so a lot of time, I think a lot of the depression from Robin Williams came with the fact that, that like, oh, Popeye was a bomb. Fucking Robin Williams, like Robin Williams was to blame for Popeye being bad, yeah. which is not the case. Robin Williams was great. He was the only thing that people liked about that movie. But when it came to box office failures, he really felt those. And like Hook was considered a major box office bomb and and everyone blamed Robin Williams. And like, yeah. oh, that's sad. There are so many other people to blame for for a movie being bad. Wasn't so I think Steven that Spielberg too. Yeah. Steven Spielberg. I think that Steven Spielberg, the kid from Dick Tracy and Julia Roberts are more to blame for the failure of hook than Robin Williams is. Yeah. Robin Williams was made for the Peter Pan role, but movies do bad in the box office and the audience automatically points the finger at the star. And so Robin Williams is really hurt by that. And I don't think that the film Merry Friggin' Christmas was the reason why he killed himself, but I do think that perhaps he found himself later in life not making the prestige films and making these small indie films that aren't doing good in the box office. And maybe he saw the articles of, Hey, whatever happened to Robin Williams, his dramatic roles are fine, but the films aren't making any money. Oh, what is Robin Williams's problem? I think that a large portion of the reason why he killed himself is because of how we blame stars for a movie being bad. I think that's a safe bet but i yeah. think the problem i think the problem with this film is and this is just a guess but i think this is a really good guess that this movie was sillier and dirtier and more madcap but then robin williams died and the 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 movie the filmmakers were like shit this might be his last film Let's go back and edit this. And they toned it down to be more of a dramedy. Yeah. Yeah. And that, they, oh, they failed. I gonna, mean, this needed a lot more humor. Yeah. yeah. So I, th and I think it was there, but Robin Williams' death changed the film. So it's like, hey, this wacky, crazy comedy is going to be great. We're going to call it Merry Friggin' Christmas. It's going to be hilarious. Oh, Robin Williams died so sad. Well, you're going to love this touching family drama we have made called Merry Friggin' Christmas. That's <laughs> what I think. I think. This yeah. film has a... a it, I, so, so, yeah, if this film was crazier and took more risks, like, it could be salvageable, but this is pretty weak. It has a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think that that's, that, that tracks, you know? Yeah. That, like, okay, that's, that is this film. I was hoping for more fun films this year, and what I got was, I, I, I saw the cast, and I'm like, this is gonna be a blast, but uh, it was not. 
And yeah. so I was I, the father make... was just too much of an asshole, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was yeah. like, no, I know. I, yeah, I, I've done this. I don't need to watch it. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely understand. And so I was disappointed. I was really disappointed with this week's movie. Yeah. Uh, I was really disappointed. And, I, and I, I, I wanted our Christmas to be more fun because it's the end. It's the end of 2020. And I just want us to end this horrible, horrible year with a lot of fun and a lot of love. And so that's all I have for this week. Let me talk about next week. Okay. Um, I found a Anna Kendrick dramedy about Christmas. Um, and I was going to do that, but then it's like, you know what? I think it's just going to be a Merry Friggin' Christmas over over again that I think this is going to be fun, but it's going to be like, oh, family drama centered around the holidays. And so I I skipped on that maybe next year. And then I thought, hey, we've never done a Christmas story. Maybe we can do a Christmas story. But I just have a problem with, with the movie, A Christmas Story. And I mentioned this during one of my story times recently that I really liked A Christmas Story when I was a kid, but I don't expect modern day kids, like I don't expect Maxwell to fall in love with A Christmas Story because this is a movie from the 1980s based on a book from the 1960s about how great things were in the 30s. Yeah. So I don't expect a kid who can tell you everything about about a Fortnite and Minecraft to give a shit about this movie. Yeah. You know? So I so I have a problem with a Christmas story, so I passed on that. And I was trying to think of something that would just be fun to do. So um it's on the cough cough. And okay. and uh I might share it with some people because you can make a shareable uh, for it. And I might share this. Um, I made a film. Well, okay. I didn't make a film. I pieced together a film. So I got um, an hour-long 1980s He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. Okay. Uh, without commercials, so it's like 47 minutes long. And I got that, and then I found Stephen Colbert's Christmas special back when he was a fake right-wing on uh, the yes. on Comedy Central. And that's about 45 minutes. And I said, if you put these together, that's about, you know, an, uh, it, it, that's almost feature length. And then I thought, wait, why stop there? I'll put an intermission in. And oh, if it's an intermission, I'll put a cartoon. And then here you go. I have got like about an hour and 45 minute long thing that will pass as a movie and it will be stupid and dumb and fun. And then I thought, let me add one more thing. Okay. Christmas, but I was thinking about I want 2020, 2020 to just be fucking fun. So at the end, I just for no reason I tacked on my favorite episode of the TV show What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. So that made it a bit longer. It's about two minutes, two hours and fourteen minutes, but it's a bunch of fucking fun. Okay. That's what I wanted this week to be, but instead we got Merry Frickin' Christmas. So next week, 
we're watching something that I pieced together. I'm calling it He's Steven Daytona. He's Steven Daytona. Yes. He is in He-Man. Steven is in Stephen Colbert. Daytona as in a character from my favorite episode of What We Do in the Shadows, which I absolutely love. And it, like, I don't want to watch any more of What We Do in the Shadows because this one episode is so good that no episode will ever be as good as, as this. Okay. I found myself quoting. So, so the, it's the it's the meow 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 beans from yes. Community for me. I have yes, watched that meow, a million fucking times. Yeah, this is the meow meow beans of what we do in the shadows, and it's the greatest episode ever. And I quote it all of the time. And this one episode is just life now. And I added it at the end just because it's not Christmassy, but I want this to be fun. So it's called He, Stephen Daytona, and it's great. And if anyone is listening to this and wants a copy, I'll shoot a link in the in the discussion group. Yeah. For a while. Okay. Because it's a lot of fun. It's already there on the cough cough waiting for you. And there's a cartoon during the intermission and it's a lot of fun and well probably not the he-man one i saw it when i was a kid but i don't remember any of it but so that will probably suck but again it's only 45 minutes the best thing i can say about the movie merry friggin christmas it's an hour and 21 minutes yeah that is a point that's the best part about it. When the plot actually gets going, then it's only the size of an episode of ER. Yes. So that's one. That's a positive. Rave of the century. So that's <laughs> it. Merry friggin' Christmas. I'm done with that movie. Uh, next week, I'm very excited to be watching two holiday specials and a random episode of What We Do in the Shadows because 2020 sucks. Uh, really excited about next week. But now that I'm looking back at uh, at this week, man, the highs and the lows, the Titanic, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, freaking Slobies. Yes. I gotta. I think this has been a pretty good episode. This has been a damn good episode. Yeah, I was worried there that you wouldn't classify it with the D-level classification, which is the best classification that we, we can get. I agree with your assessment. I was just worried. <laughs> I feel the same. I felt feel the same way about the episode, but I didn't want to say anything because you're the person who makes the classifications, not me. And I didn't want to step on any toes here. But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week. I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Stephen on behalf of Natasha and Emerald and Maxwell and Bella and everybody else. I just want to say thanks for listening and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Nice. Cut and print. <laughs>